Thank you for joining us today. The Word of God provides everything we need throughout our earthly existence. There is absolutely nothing that has, is, or will occur in our lives that is not covered by the blood of Jesus. Our sovereign God loves us so much that He created us in His own image and sacrificed His only begotten sinless Son to cover all of our sins. When we surrender our all to Him, we begin to experience the greatest love of all and become recipients of eternal life. Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us today. So you'll be hearing 2 Timothy 3.16 because that's the premise from which all of this series is being preached. So you'll see 2 Timothy 3.16 all the way through this message. Number five, the Bible is different because the word of God is eternal. The word of God is eternal. Books down through millennia have become obsolete, outdated, out of print, and extinct. Have you ever tried to get a book and they say it's out of print? Huh? We can't be found. Huh? You, you, you ever seen books? How many of you have had that experience? You wanted a book, you tried to check it, you wanted to get that book, and all of a sudden you can't put your hand on it unless somebody else got it from somewhere way back. I mean, you just can't find it. But I tell you what, you can find the word today. <laughs> you can find the word today. Books down through the millennia have become obsolete, outdated, out of print, and extinct. The Bible originated in the mind of God from the beginning, and its words will last forever. No other book can make this claim. I was on the plane, I was just looking at people reading on e-books and all these things, and I was looking all around, and just people just read all kind of stuff. And I was looking at some of this, this stuff, I said, man, look at all that foolishness folk reading. It's just stuff. 500 pages is just stuff. No eternal significance. But oh, I was trying to get to my seat. And I was trying to put the thing, myself in the overhead bins. And I cut my Bible out because I wanted to read it and study it and prepare this message high in the sky for you down here. And I left my Bible in a seat that belongs to somebody else. And they picked the Bible up and they were all looking at it. They were looking at it. Now, now if that was some kind of computer gadget, they just gave it up. They were looking at it. Then I tried to sit on another seat to get more comfy, and then I pulled my Bible out, and uh, then all of a sudden, a lady who's a missionary down the road, she said, I know that book. That is some kind of book there you got, man. I said, yes, it's the only book. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Your Blackberry can't do that. Uh Uh-uh, your Palm Pilot can't do that. (laughs) Your Tweet Tweet can't do that. (laughs) No, no. No, no. I remember my wife, my wife and I, we were on our way to the Philippines to celebrate one of our missionaries who had been translating the gospel in the language, the Bible in the language of the Kagayan people off the, the islands of, of the Philippines. And so I decided to take my Bible out there. I mean, again, it's night and I put my little light on that zooms down so I can see everything. People are snoring all around and I wanted to read and meditate. And I, again, I pull out the Bible, out the book. I didn't pull out a gadget. I pulled out the book. And now I got, I, you know, I just, oh, it was quiet. And I just went, I said, I got, so I pulled it out. And all of a sudden, I was in, we were sitting in this big middle section on this 747. And so the man looked down and saw that book. He said, I know that book you're reading. He talked that loud. He said, that's a Bible. I said, yeah, it is. He said, will you come over here and tell me something about it? Man. man. I almost jumped out of my chair. I got up. I walked all the way around 
And I sat next to him and I began to talk about this book. And as I was sharing this book, this is just a few years ago, uh, some missionaries whom I did not know saw me uh, collaborating with this gentleman about the Bible. And, she, and when I finished talking with him, she said, you know what? I heard that whole exchange and we're missionaries and they were going to another place in Asia. But we were praying for you as you were ministering to that man. And you know why that happened? It's because I took out the blessed book of God. I laid it before me. Listen, this book will arrest folk attention. You can put Time Magazine down there. You can read Better House and Garden. You can take our Jet. You can take our Oprah. And you can take our Cobra and Dobra. Ain't nobody going to look at that. But I dare you to take this book out and rest it on the table. And all of a sudden, folks zoom in. They zoom in. Something mysterious about this book something mysterious about it it's mysterious and the frightening thing of it now I'm not against you having the Bible and gadget that's fine in your own time somewhere but listen the, the more you use the actual book the better off you're going to be people have either a respect for this book or a resentment from this book uh, about this book one or two hours respect or resentment and you'll find out things don't stay normal when you take out the book, when you take out a gadget, they think you're playing uh, some kind of game or something. <laughs> oh, God. So it's eternal. No other book can make this claim. Psalms 119, 152 says, concerning your testimonies, I have known of old that you have founded them forever. Forever. The eternality of the book. First Peter chapter 1 verses 24 through 25a says, Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flowers fall away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. The book is eternal. It's here today. The living word. And you know something? Thank you, Holy Ghost. When the rapture comes and we're snatched by irresistible Holy Ghost force from time to eternity, changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, you know something? The Bible is not going to be raptured. That's right, not going to be raptured. God's going to leave the Bible here. He said, why is he going to leave the Bible here? Because we will be with the living word. <laughs> that makes me want to shout right there. We will be with the living word. He said, why is the Bible left here? For, for those folk to say, you know, my mama's gone. My uncle's gone. My sister's gone. The pastor's gone. Ooh, when the rapture come, I wonder who here going to still be coming to church. Listen, y'all better find another preacher because I won't be here. I won't be here. I won't be here. I wonder who's going to still be in the choir saying, hallelujah, salvation and power. I wonder what usher's still going to be ushering with all these absentee folk. You're talking about stirring up stuff. Ooh. And they're turning. They say, you know, I heard somebody talking about this. I heard somebody talking about Christian. It's Christian stuff. And all of a sudden they get to go into the Bible. And they begin to read, for the Lord himself. 
to descend with the shout, with the voice of the archangel and the huh? And they're getting to read all of these things. And it's oh, here it is. They gone. The gospel is going to be here. The Holy Spirit began to work in a different dimension, a different capacity. He will no longer be restraining. Y'all think things bad now, but things aren't as bad as they can get. Because the Holy Ghost is a restrainer and it's keeping things, the lid on, even though things look bleak, it ain't as bleak as bleak can be. You understand what I'm talking about? Oh God. When we rapture, the Holy Ghost restraining power will stop restraining sin and it will let go. And we'll see evil that's unprecedented. At least we won't see it. They will. Unprecedented. And the gospel will go forth. Go forth. The word will be here. You have two witnesses. We talked about that in, well, on Wednesday night. If you come to Wednesday night, we've been going through Revelation. The two witnesses will be here witnessing. And then in case some of you still, some people still miss it, the angel will be preaching across the sky the gospel of the kingdom so that every ear will hear. Wow. So, number six, number six, the Bible is superior because everything in it is absolute truth. Because everything in it is what? Truth. In a world filled with schemes and lies and subliminal messages, the absolute truth of the word of God will help us navigate through false doctrine, navigate through the philosophies of this world, navigate through the ideologies of this world, navigate through the world system, and the the truth exposes deception. And that's why Satan don't want you to come to the knowledge of the truth. Because he wants to see your soul damned. He wants to see you ignorant. He wants to see your children fail. He wants to see parents fail. He wants to see your grandchildren fail. And if he can just keep the truth from you, He will doom your soul to hell because this book is the book of life. Psalms chapter 19 verse 9b says, The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Psalms 119, 151 speaks of the truth of God's word. It says, You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are the truth. A truth. All your commandments. Everything in this book is the truth. John 17, 17 says, sanctify them by your truth. By your word is truth. Only the truth will set you free. Only the truth. Number seven. Why is the Bible so different? The Bible, the word is transcends. Transcends all of the books because God set apart a special group of men to write Put in the blank, 66 love letters. Love letters. God so loved the world. Not only did he gave Jesus, but he so loved you that he gave you his word. Although these men were not perfect, they were guided by a perfect God. They had a deep respect and reverential fear of God as they wrote his word. God prepared and superintended these men using their own styles and their own personalities. 
using their own various different kinds of backgrounds and languages. These writers of scripture had different kinds of occupation. Some were doctors. Some was a, one was a tax collector. One was a musician. Some were teachers. Some were preachers. Some were farmers. Farmers and others, others were fishermen. God used a, a, a wide range of people from various backgrounds, occupations, and languages to give us what we know as our Bible today. Wow. Second Peter chapter one, verse 20 and 21 is a powerful scripture that you need to highlight because men, people always say, well, man wrote the Bible, man wrote the Bible, man wrote the Bible. God worked through human agency, but it, God, God worked through human agency, but it was God working through man. And it, it was not through his own humanness and human nature. And I, it was not through his own opinions and philosophies. He wrote as he was guided and superintended by the Holy Ghost. And a scripture to substantiate that is found in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. It says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. Huh? For prophecy never came by the will of man. You guys see, you see that? See, God used human agency, but it was not done through the will of man, but the will of God, through the spirit of God. But holy men, holy men of God spoke as they were moved, that key word is moved, by the Holy Spirit. Moved by the Holy, carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's how we got our Bible. It was a privilege for God to use these holy men as they were moved, guided, and superintended using their own styles and personalities and background and culture and, and uh, languages to give us the scripture as we know it today. Also, God inspired these men to write about some things of which they had been eyewitnesses of. In other words, some of the writers of scripture wrote about what they saw, felt, experienced under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And a good scripture of that is found in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1, 2, and 3. It says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard and we declare, he said, we have seen, we heard, see, this is what John is saying, the beloved John. We declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So some of these men, inspired of God, wrote about things that they had seen and experienced for themselves. Also, I'd like to add too, God inspired these men to pen revelation from God himself that was far beyond their finite understanding that they could not have otherwise known. For example, let me give you an example. In Genesis chapter 1, God describes the creation of the world in Genesis 1, right? Okay. He gave that information to 
humanity through Moses. Now, was Moses there in Genesis chapter 1? Huh? Moses came thousands of years later. He was not in, he was not there in the beginning with God. So your question is, well, how could Moses write about something he knew nothing of? Wow. You know what? God breathed into Moses the description of something Moses knew nothing about. There were also some things God revealed to Daniel that even he did not understand. In Daniel chapter 12, verses 8 and 9, it says, Daniel says himself, although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? I don't understand this. Verse 9 says, and he (laughs) said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Daniel wrote about some things he didn't understand, but he was writing under divine revelation. Number eight, the Bible is different because of its infallibility, because of its infallibility, which means it is three blanks. The first blank, trustworthy. The Bible is reliable and the Bible is unfailing. Okay. The Bible is what? Trust. Say it loud. The Bible is what? You can trust it. The Bible is what? You can rely on it. And the Bible is what? It will never let you down. Cut them out of here. In its totality, the Bible makes no mistakes. Extraordinary and painstaking care was taken to secure perfect accuracy in the transmission of manuscripts. Jesus himself said in the Gospel of John chapter 10 verse 35 that the Bible cannot be broken. The Bible cannot be broken. In the Gospel of John chapter 10 verse 35, it says, If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. Wow. It's it's trustworthy, reliable, unfailing, to the point that Isaiah says in Isaiah 55 11, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. But it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. The word always accomplishes the purpose for which uh, it, it was designed and sent out to do. It didn't come back empty. The word does always what it's supposed to do. Numbers twenty-three nineteen says, God is not a man that he should lie. That's the reliability, trustworthiness of scripture. Nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? God always makes good his word. He is a God of truth. Number nine, the Bible is the book of books because of its inerrancy. Say inerrancy. Inerrancy. No original manuscript, the first copies, has ever been found with an error in it. Inerrancy means that the Bible is without error throughout, whether it is speaking historically, whether it is speaking scientifically or morally. Inerrancy emphasizes the truthfulness of Scripture, which means that 
The Bible is wholly true in its totality. Therefore, the Bible is the infallible rule and final authority for faith and practice of all believers. I'll repeat it again. The Bible is the infallible rule and final authority for faith and practice for, of all believers. The Bible is inerrant because it has a perfect author who is the God of truth. Psalms 19.7 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. It's perfect. It's truth. Isaiah 65.16 says, so that he who blesses himself in the earth shall bless himself in the God of truth. See? And he who swears in the earth shall swear by the God of truth because the former troubles are forgotten and because they are hidden from my eyes. Okay. In conclusion, I have about five things I want to say, but they're big five. <laughs> now I got about six. That's why you're going to say seven. Now, but it's six. Let me close with this question. Why does Satan do everything within his power to keep you from believing the word of God is true? That's a big, big question I want to address. Why does Satan do everything in his power to keep you from believing the word of God is true? Number one, Satan want to do everything he can. Put every distraction, put people around you. Foolish people around you. No talking people. People who not about nothing. Huh? People who not going anywhere. Messy folk can keep you distracted. Gossipy folk can keep you distracted. Huh? Backbiting folk can keep you distracted. Huh? The, the tongue can keep you distracted. So why does Satan does, why does he do everything he can to keep you from believing the truth? Number one. Satan desires at all costs to keep you as his child. The word is child. That's big. That's right. You're not born saved. I've run a couple people all the time and say, you know what? I was born a Christian. They lying. They're not born a Christian. If you're born a Christian, then, then there'll be no work of redemption. Yeah, how you going to be born saved? You were born in sin and shape in iniquity. You were born a big sinner. I don't care how big that pretty baby is. Curly locks and all. That's a baby sinner with curly locks. Doesn't matter whether he's black, white, polka dot, doesn't matter, Hispanic, brown, Asian. They born little sinners. They born selfish. They need to be taught. If you don't teach them, they're going to become bigger sinners. The little hootlums. <laughs> little hootlums make big hootlums. You were born a child of the devil. That's right. That's right. That's why you need to be reading the scripture to your children, singing over your children, praying over your children, giving them the gospel. Listen, I know you want to see your children go to college and have a great job and all these things, but that's not the biggest thing you all want to see. The biggest, the greatest thing you want to see in your child is that they become saved. You want to see every grandchild of yours become saved. That ought to be your number one. Everything else comes under that. If you're a lawyer and you're unsaved, you're a damned lawyer. That's right. You're, da- you're a damned lawyer. You're, you're a teacher. You're a damned teacher. He said, boy, you cussing. No, I ain't. you damned to hell. Huh? Believe it not in John 3 shall be what? Damn, y'all scared to say it, but it's in the Bible. I can say it now. 
I'm not going to say damn you, but I will say, if you don't believe, you shall be damned. I'm just saying what the Bible says. Don't get scared. I'm teaching some hard truth here because I want to wake you up. I ain't going to sugarcoat nothing. It's too much hell out here for me to be playing with you. You ought to thank God that you have a man of God that wants you to know the word of God so you can grow up and be in your calling. John 8, 44 says, you are of your father, the devil, and the desire of your father you want to do. You know a child of the devil because they're doing devilish things, devilish stuff. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Not an ounce of truth in that devil. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of it. Father of it. You professional liar, you are of the devil. Someone look straight, look you straight in the face. Mama, I didn't do it. Some, some husband, honey, baby, I love you. I haven't been with nobody. Some wife. And you know what? Facebook is messing up so many marriages. Through reconnection, your old buddies <laughs> want to reconnect. I'm trying to help you. There's some folk God got you away from and he don't want you to reconnect. Your reconnecting is going to set you back. You know, Listen, you need to close the door on your past and press on. I don't want to go back there. Any man be in Christ. He is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I ain't going back there. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.